0: Welcome to Magenta Nation, the podcast series that gives you fact-based answers on controversial issues of the day so that you can form and communicate opinions based on facts. This is Joy Scott, your host. I am a business person and an author who cares deeply about America and how we can come together to help move forward. If you'd like more information on the book Magenta Nation, visit www.magenta-nation.com. The topic of today's podcast is welfare versus workfare. What's the answer? If people are in financial need, should the financial support that they receive be tied to work that they contribute in return for that assistance? Is subsidizing the poor and lower income families contrary to our belief in independence, individual initiative, and free enterprise? In looking at this question, first of all, we must define welfare. Welfare is government programs that provide assistance, financial or otherwise, to groups or individuals who can't financially provide it for themselves. And in looking at the realities of welfare programs, it's important to distinguish between welfare and entitlement. Entitlement programs are eligible for anyone who's contributed to them. Examples are Social Security, Medicare, unemployment insurance, workers' compensation. Welfare programs, on the other hand, have their own eligibility requirements including maximum income requirements set at the state level that are determined as a percentage of the federal poverty level. A person must prove eligibility based on their financial situation in order to receive welfare program benefits. There are six major welfare programs in the U.S. today. The first is temporary assistance to needy families, which is the program most classically referred to as welfare. Then there's Medicaid, health insurance, provided to those who are in financial need through the state level or at the state level. This program also includes the Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP. Third is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, more commonly known as food stamps. Then, Supplemental Security Income, SSI, provides cash assistance specifically to adults and children with disabilities. There is the Earned Income Tax Credit a credit program designed for low-income families that reduces the amount of taxes a qualifying family owes and may also give a refund, depending on their status. And finally, housing assistance, which provides assistance with living through rent support and provision of public housing. So these are the six programs available today. In order to qualify, as we said, people must demonstrate financial need. Maximum income requirements means that those who receive benefits are earning an income in some way. They're not idle. They simply do not make enough to meet basic needs. 39% of women who receive aid to families with dependent children were also employed. 52% of fast food workers with a minimum of one family member rely on at least one poverty assistance program. So, these welfare programs may be looked upon as gap funding. They fund the gap between what people make and what it takes them to survive. Who gets welfare? On average, 21% of Americans, more than 59 million people, participate in at least one government assistance program a month. 35% of unemployed Americans receive a means test benefit on average. Almost 70 million people are enrolled in Medicaid, or roughly one in five Americans. Who are the people who are actually receiving welfare? Most people on welfare in the U.S. are children, Or disabled. According to the U.S. Census, an estimated 30% of the 46 million adults who receive income-based government assistance had some kind of disability. In 2012, 39% of children under the age participated in a type of government assistance program. Women who are heads of households are also big beneficiaries of these initiatives. 50% of female-led households participate in a government assistance program. Women also are more likely to participate in the food assistance program than men are at any point in their lives, 22% of females versus 12% of males. At first glance, it may seem logical that if someone is receiving subsistence from the government, there should be an obligation to give back something in return. There are numerous unmet needs in society today, from helping care for the elderly to the needs of our school systems, to health care, to supporting and rebuilding the infrastructure. However, given that the majority of those on welfare are children or disabled, most of those receiving welfare can't work. With a significant component of recipients being women who are heads of households, their combined requirements of working and taking care of children limits the time they could do extra responsibilities. In summary, the pool of eligible working individuals who could participate in workfare is very small. Perhaps there's another way to look at this. Welfare was never meant to be a permanent condition for individuals. Ideally, it is a lift out of poverty. Here are some alternatives to fix or eliminate the gap between what people earn and what they require to survive. Women continue to make less than men in equivalent jobs. Today, women earn 80 cents for every dollar men earn. Repairing this gap would enable women to better provide for their families. Raising the minimum wage would also help improve women's income and that of two-person households as well. Providing daycare would enable more women to work knowing that their small children were cared for. Offering training for people unable to earn a sustainable wage would also help lift them out of poverty. Offering low-cost or free housing to people in poverty or suffering reversals of fortunes would reduce the number of homeless and help support the ability of these individuals to find and maintain jobs. Eliminating the systemic racism in American society and economic systems would help level the income-earning ability for those who may now be in need. Repairing the wealth gap by increasing taxes on the rich and halting the fall of families from middle class to lower class to poverty would help stabilize the economic wealth of the country and of families. All of these things would help to fix the gap in income that causes poverty and requires welfare programs. All of these initiatives would help to resolve the gap that creates the need for welfare programs. If there are able-bodied adults who are not responsible for child care or care for dependents, who qualify for welfare, then we could consider work programs that will pay a living wage and build experience and training for full-time employment. Let's think for a moment about the cost of these approaches versus the current spend. Elevating people to income levels that enable them to support themselves would eliminate much of the cost at administration of the current welfare program. Those who are disabled and unable to work will always need our help. Children also, of course, cannot support themselves, and they need an education to do so as adults. But if their parents were able to earn more money, their needs would be met without welfare subsidies. We cannot cover this topic without addressing the topic of welfare fraud, which is often brought up by those who are critical of these systems. There are imperfections and flaws with the program, but the actual accounted cases of fraudulent activities are small. 10% of all federal welfare payments are estimated to be fraudulent or just improperly filed. Estimates from the government say that maybe 1 in 10 payments are fraudulent. In contrast, 49% of corporations globally reported fraud each year and 42% of small businesses fraud. This is not welfare fraud, but just fraud in the context of doing business. When comparing the frequency of overall fraud with welfare fraud, it suggests that fraud is far from rampant in the welfare system. And the fact is that the social safety net is working to lift people out of poverty. Social safety nets raise millions out of deep poverty and improve the general welfare. An estimated 36% of those in extreme poverty escaped that situation with the help of social safety net programs around the world, a fact which also reduces the poverty gap. There are other compelling reasons why it's important to have a safety net for poverty, especially for children. Wellness and longevity are linked with income and social status. Safety nets alleviate the conditions that can create chronic problems, which sap health and support systems over a long period. Children who live in poverty are more likely to suffer from lower cognitive development, educational achievement, have greater reliance on public benefits, and a higher risk of incarceration. Poverty leaves both children and adults susceptible to worse health conditions and overall health. Safety nets help to improve the economic status of those in poverty, reducing the likelihood that these individuals may resort to criminal options to improve their conditions. Safety nets increase economic mobility, giving children a greater chance of entering the middle class. Poverty strips resources from the government that could be used for other purposes. Child poverty, for example, costs an estimated $500 billion for the U.S. government annually in terms of lost productivity, higher health care costs, and criminal justice expenditures. Reducing poverty helps raise people into the middle class, which drives much of the economic strength and growth in the U.S. And finally, poverty weakens democracy by creating divides in the electorate between those with the ability to participate in the process and those who cannot be properly informed about issues. Let's look at the question of why we need a safety net, given that Americans believe in the right of everyone to make their own way in life. Also, many believe that the needs of individuals and families could be taken care of with private charity without the involvement of government. No matter how much we may believe that individuals control their own destiny, no one is completely in control of their circumstances. A person can work very hard and still be in circumstances where they and their family are in need. When people are in need, our values say that we should help them. There are also circumstances at work, for example, systemic racism, that conspire to keep people in a situation of poverty. Individual effort to be successful is important, but the fact is we do not have a level playing field. Could private initiative take over for a government safety net? While numerous charitable endeavors and individuals contribute to help people who are struggling, the problem of poverty in the U.S. is just too big, and our society too fragmented to be taken care of by the private sector. Maybe in frontier days when communities were small and interconnected and large families lived near each other, that community could band together to support those in misfortune. But we're far beyond those days, and our society is just too complex. We don't want people in America to be hungry, homeless, lacking an education in education and basic health care, or lacking the education to be a contributing member of society. Fixing these situations requires broad systemic action that goes beyond just relief. Finally, there's one more thing we should consider in the welfare versus workforce discussion. We need to inculcate a sense of responsibility throughout the American people. No one is entitled to enjoy the privileges of America without giving back. This commitment should run throughout our society, not just be applied to people who are in need of a safety net. If ways are developed for those who are receiving welfare to give back while they're being helped, these same programs can be expanded into a national service concept in which others can participate. Students looking for a way to pay for college, the unemployed or underemployed, even those who might be retired. If every American even had one volunteer activity to which they gave their time, what a difference that would make in the well-being of our nation. So in conclusion, we should think of our welfare programs as not only relieving suffering now, but lifting people up out of poverty into the middle class. There are numerous issues within our society that need to be remedied in order to accomplish that goal, from wealth distribution to training and education to eliminating racism and misogyny. The concept that welfare supports laziness and entitlement just is not true. If we change our attitudes and work together, we can develop even better solutions that benefit everyone. Thank you for listening. Again, for more information, visit www.magenta-nation.com.